Welcome to the Canacook Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to another episode of the Canacook Podcast. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. We're going to get right to it. I'm going to let you know what we're talking about, and then Joe's going to introduce our guests. So today, we are talking about influence, using the gifts and talents God has given you to draw the people around you closer to Him. And so we're going to talk about what could it look like to represent Jesus in your home, in your school, or your your profession so that those around you might see that relationship and want to be more like Christ. So Joe, would you introduce our guest today? It is the greatest pleasure to introduce our guest today. I'm going to introduce to you Mary Poppins. Oh, and also uh, I'm going to introduce you Cinderella. And by the way, I'm going to also introduce to you Belle and also Aurora. Oh my goodness. One person. Wow. Different wig, different ball gown, (laughs) a little bit different makeup. But this girl is just a dynamic person. And I happen to know her pretty well because she married my oldest son. And we love having Jennifer in our family. She is sunshine. And if you've ever seen the movie Cinderella and the way she cares about people, especially people that other people don't notice, Mm. that's my girl. Jennifer worked at Disney for 11 years, and she made a lot of girls really, really happy. And so, Jennifer, I understand that it all began in a corndog stand 11 years ago. It's great to have you on the podcast with us today. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I have always loved Disney. I've always loved the theme parks and what they do. I did an for when what they do for families. I did an internship at Walt Disney World when I was in college and I fell in love with backstage of Disney. I fell in love with everyone that makes the magic. And so after I got married, Brady and I moved to California so I could work at Disneyland and make dreams come true. And they weren't hiring at the time. So I went to the casting office every Monday and Thursday for six weeks to try to get a job at Disney. And on the sixth Thursday, so 12 visits, I finally got an interview and I got to work in food and beverage at Disneyland. And I sold popcorn and corn dogs and funnel cakes. And (laughs) I really loved it. I It was a dream come true for me, just sitting there selling corn dogs. I loved it so much. (laughs) And one night a guy came through my line and he wanted a lemon and a Diet Coke. And we do not offer those. But I decided to make a little extra magic because I knew where we kept the lemons. So I got him his lemon and Diet Coke. And he said, Jennifer, have you ever thought about working in entertainment? And I said, oh, my gosh, he is psychic. Yes, I have every single day. I dream of being a grown up that wears ball gowns. And he slid me his card and said, Call this number in the morning when you wake up. And I did. It ended up when we got home, Brady and I Googled his name, and he was the vice president of Disney Global Entertainment. Wow. And God put him in my line, wanting to live in a Diet Coke. And So I called that number immediately when I woke up the next morning and went in for an interview. 
and bombed the interview, did horrible. I tripped over my words. I said betrothed instead of betrothed. And (laughs) when I was leaving the interview, the sweet interviewer, she said, now, Jennifer, you know, this audition is for Disney World, right? And if you're following, Brady and I just moved to Disneyland in California and Disney World is in Florida. And if you paid attention in geography, those are far away from one another. So I thought, oh my gosh, Brady is going to murder me. Like, congratulations, I'm single. And I looked at her and boldly (laughs) said, yes, I knew this was for Disney World. That is not new information. And I called Brady in a panic and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I just auditioned for a theme park across the world. Please don't divorce me. And um, he he was like, it's all right. And I was like, but don't worry. Like I have freckles and buck teeth and I tripped. Like they're not going to want me. <laughs> and like two hours later, my phone rang and they asked if I wanted to accept a role at Disney World. And I called Brady and he said, let's just pray about it. We had like 48 hours to accept. But when I got home, he had the U-Haul boxes waiting for me and a big red bow in the movie Up. And he said, let's go on an adventure. And so then we packed our bags after we had just unpacked them and headed to Florida. And that's what started it. Oh, my goodness. From a corn dog stand to Cinderella. Oh, my goodness. That is an amazing (laughs) story, Jennifer. That sounds like a book in and of itself. Well, (laughs) Jennifer, talk about, you know, you were with Disney for 11 years. And you mentioned earlier that you loved the the backstage of Disney. How did you see the culture change over those 11 years and getting to be a part of it? That's a good question, Bethany. And I think when I first got to Disney World and first entered into the entertainment culture and just got to know like the backstage DNA of Disney It was very competitive. It was very dark and it was just sad. I think that's how I would describe it. It was just sad. And Brady and I started a church for Disney cast members and we found all of these people who love Jesus that also love Disney World. And little by little, just day by day, I really saw Jesus transform the backstage environment from kind of this dark, sad place to a place where people couldn't wait to go to work. And it is nothing special that I did or my friends did. It just was Jesus being so present and us following his spirit on on what to do. A friend of mine, her name is Lindsay. She wrote in a journal spring of 2010 that she was praying And she prayed that God would bring a light to backstage um, Disney. And specifically, she prayed that God would bring a light to the castle. And I was hired in entertainment July of 2010. And so it was just a couple months after that. And before I even became friends with Lindsay, she was journaling how the culture was changing. And people, rather than being upset when someone would get a part that another person wanted, they started making signs and cheering them on. And rather than being frustrated about a long day, we started throwing food days. So then we had a giant potluck for all day long. It was just a a culture shift 
I think because Lindsay boldly prayed that mm-hmm. prayer and how faithful he was to answer that. You know, Bethann, we want to acknowledge that that there are many legitimate concerns by believers about some of the platforms that Disney has introduced over the years. And as we acknowledge that and as we understand the concerns that are there for some of the corporate decisions of Disney, we're talking today about influence in your world. And we're talking to many professionals on our podcast or in professional environments that are difficult. And maybe they don't have anything that looks like the Bible or Jesus. We acknowledge that. And so it's awesome to have somebody who entered that culture that's gotten a lot of criticism, and some of it is legitimate. And yet, in that environment, here is one, you know, 23 or 24-year-old young lady who steps into that culture and Jennifer's very modest, Beth, then. She'll never say anything positive about herself. But I noticed over the years the way she just played Jesus. She represented Jesus. She, she was Jesus with skin on. And with her smile and her caring heart, she would encourage. And on her days off, she would go around the park writing encouraging notes to people. And the thing that I loved about Jennifer, that she would not just give her best self to people in the higher-up divisions of Disney, which they loved her and adored her, and they promoted her again and again and again. But she cared for everybody, especially those that no one else cared for. And so in that environment, she made a difference for Jesus. Jennifer, you wrote a book, and it is a fabulous book. It's called Be Love by Jennifer White. And I hear lots of camp kids and camp counselors that talk about reading your book, Be Love. Why did you choose the title of your book? Which, by the way, get it on Amazon. It's a great gift for teenagers. It's a great gift for adults, actually, and how you can influence your world. But why did you choose the title, Be Love? I chose Be Love because I think as Christians, a lot of people have asked me throughout the years, how do I love people that are very different than me? How do I love non-believers? How do I love people that live an openly different lifestyle than what I think is right? For some reason, the Lord has just given me a heart to love people. And I think the answer to any of those questions can be summed up simply and perfectly as just to be love in that environment, to love people, to get to know them. Um, So that's what the book is all about. It's just a bunch of short stories. It's an easy read because I'm not a very scholarly person. And (laughs) and it's just a simple story of um, really unique ways that God used me in a place that means a lot to a lot of people. Hmm. I mean, I think the title of that book is just exactly the heart of God, that we would be loved. That's what we saw in Jesus. And and we know from his life, he was also going to those places to be light and darkness. And so I think that's really fun. Well, tell us a little bit about backstage Bible studies. You know, these are stories that I've heard Joe talk about. And, you know, not many of us get to host a Bible study in an enchanted castle with people like Goofy and Prince Charming in attendance. Tell us a little bit about those times. Yeah, so it happened one summer. 
I found myself every Sunday morning working in the castle with the same group of people. And usually Sunday mornings are when people attend church. So I asked the two girls that were sitting next to me, they looked an awful lot like Cinderella and Snow White. I said, would you want to do a Bible study with me on Sunday mornings? And they were super excited about it. I didn't know if either one of them attended church or if they knew about Jesus or what their history was. I just boldly said to you, want to do a Bible study? And they accepted. And so I printed off these really easy, but aesthetically beautiful looking Bible studies. And we started doing them. And then little by little, other people would sit in the circle with us. And some of them would take a handout and some of them would just listen. It actually, I mean, I don't want to overuse this word, but it was just magical what Jesus was doing. Because you'd look around and see these people that I, again, I had no idea they're their history. I didn't know if they had any church hurt, but together we were sitting in Cinderella Castle learning about Jesus in God's word. I gave those printouts that I was using to my friend Kelsey, who was in the Halloween parade that year. So we did this Bible study in the summer and then Kelsey started a Bible study in the fall. And it's one of my favorite Disney stories anyone has ever said, because she talks about that she's in the costume room in a corner, sitting in a circle, and there's all these like ghosts and goblins. I mean, Disney doesn't do too scary on Halloween, (laughs) but the makeup is a little dark. And so she, you know, they have like spiders in their wigs. And so she's like reading about Jesus and her Bible. Then she looks up and there's like this creepy ghost. (laughs) And I think those are my favorite Bible studies that I've ever heard about at Disney. And just God had to be smiling when he saw that. You know, I just think I think he had to. And I just want to say really quick, I think that is such a good encouragement for us today of you didn't find out all the background knowledge of, well, would they be open to it? What do they know? Do they have this or that? You just extended an invitation and how simple for us to incorporate that into our spheres of influence of just, just ask, just put it out there and just see what God might do. Jennifer, you're a great storyteller. Uh, And in your book, Be Love, you tell a most compelling story about a young girl who was born without the capacity to hear. And the day you met this girl and gave her the very first words she had ever heard. Please tell us about that story. This story is deeply seared into my heart. I had a really early shift. And when I got to the location that I was going to be working with my two friends with me, our manager told the story that Joe just talked about. There was a little girl that was born and doctors believe from the moment she was earthside. She's never heard a single sound. And this university in Texas contacted her parents because they believed that they had a procedure, an operation that could possibly, there was a chance, could allow her to be able to hear. So the parents, from what I know, they deliberated. Do they do it? Do they not do it? And once they decided yes, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which partners with Disney a lot, reached out to this little five-year-old girl and said, Sarah, if you were able to hear a sound, 
what do you want the first thing you hear to be? And Sarah said she wanted to hear the Disney princesses' voices speak to her. And so on this day, very, very early, her parents had gotten off a red eye and little Sarah was dressed head to toe in Tinkerbell, even little puffs on her shoes. And the three of them walked down Main Street to Fantasyland where she was going to meet three Disney princesses. I remember like she had this big box like full of electronics and batteries it almost looked like and then had all these wires coming up to these two big hearing aid mechanisms on on either side so she had one on each ear and my manager later told me that the dad reached down to turn the mechanism on and he was shaking so badly he couldn't do it. And so the mom like pushed him out of the way and said, I'll do it. I'll do it. They were both so nervous because they had honored her wish and they had not turned this on. They waited so that her, if she was able to hear her first sound would be what she wished it would be, which I can't imagine as a parent that self-control. So the mom, I guess, pushed the dad out of the way, turned the box on, and then these double doors opened in front of Sarah and she bolted as soon as she laid eyes on Cinderella, Belle and Sleeping Beauty. She bolted, sprinted to them, their little wings and all. And she immediately sat down and started signing that she wanted to have a tea party. And so we all got out our imaginary cups and she looked directly at me and I held oh, her sweet little head in my hands. And I told her how unbelievably beautiful she was. And she heard every single word we said that day. And I was watching. Her mom was behind us. And like so many people with motherly instincts, she was signing everything we were saying because Sarah was putting sounds to words for the first time. And I thought, oh my gosh, Sarah hasn't heard her parents speak. She's not heard their voices. And I took Sarah by the hand and led her to her mom and dad. And I got a front row seat to witness this little girl here for the first time, how much her mom and dad love her, how perfect she is. And I will never, ever forget that moment or take that moment for granted that I got to watch that. It was the sweetest, sweetest thing. And for the 10 years that I was in entertainment, every day there was something special. There was something unique. I'm just really thankful. One of my favorite things is I would call Pops after work that he'd say, tell me a story today. Remember that? Yeah, I do. I remember it. I'm crying again. <laughs> There, there's not a dry eye in this studio right now. Just so you know, we're all we're like, hold it together, hold it together. Can you picture Belle and Aurora and Cinderella and the little five-year-old mm. running down that little walkway to find herself in the arms of her three heroes mm. and his, hear her name and how beautiful she was by three princesses. So sweet. I love it. Well, 
Jennifer, tell us a little bit, you know, you've told us about the the Bible studies that you got to have with some of the the bigger characters and, and people with roles that were a little bit maybe more noticeable, but how did you even find ways to to make those who were maybe less noticeable or their role wasn't as maybe prominent in Magic Kingdom as some of the others you got to love on? How did you show love to even those just in different departments of Disney? Yeah, Bethann, uh, I'm really thankful. I got to work in a lot of different areas of entertainment. One of my favorite places that I got to work was the parade. And when I first started working in the parade, it was very, very separated. We start out every day in this big, it's almost like a dance hall, I would say. Like there's mirrors on the wall and it's just like open floor. So I would say it's like if you took dance as a little girl, that's what it looks like. Ours has a lot of fun characters in it, but it was very separated as far as over here are all was where the princesses sit. And over here is where the dancers sit. And over here is where all of our fun cartoons sit. And there wasn't a lot of like intermingling, I would say. And one of my goals when I first started at Disney was to make it high up because I knew if I wanted to change the culture of Disney because it's such a big beast I needed to start from the top and then have it trickle down and as I stayed with Disney so long and because I loved the role that I was in I stayed in the same department I started to realize that although I didn't think of myself as this high up manager leader type person, there were many people that probably looked at me as that, even though I don't see that in myself. And I realized that every day at three o'clock, Cinderella would be standing on a float and directly in front of her was a group of six swans. And I called them Cinderella's birds. And we had, we had to be there, excuse me, not three o'clock at 2.58. So we had a full 120 seconds every day that we're just awkwardly staring at each other. I thought of an idea that Prince Charming and Cinderella could ask the birds a question every day and they would raise their little wings and we would just get to know each other a little bit more. And it kind of morphed into every Thursday, we said what we were thankful for, thankful Thursdays. And every Friday, the birds would bring a fun fact. So we would all share fun facts with each other. And Prince Charming got really excited. One of my Prince Charmings got so excited about it. And <laughs> he would write poems for the birds. Like so, and he's definitely a non-believer, but here he is every day at 258, loving and encouraging these birds. And it ended up, some of my dearest friends from that season of my life were these birds, Brady and I started hosting bird dinners at our house and they didn't have to bring anything because everyone that works at Disney is basically sadly right at the poverty line. So they would come into our home and we would feed them and send them home with goodies. And we'd pray together before our meals, even though many of them do not attend church. They were always super respectful of Brady and I. And yeah, we started this culture that whatever cartoon was on the float started taking care of the dancers that were in front because they worked so hard. And so pretty soon Merida started bringing fun facts on Friday and started asking questions of the day on Saturday. And Rapunzel started doing that. And so little by little, 
I lost my job at Disney at the end of 2020 during COVID, but I still hear stories of how every day at 2.58, Cinderella is talking to her birds and Rapunzel is talking to the floral maidens. And like I said, many of these people don't even know Jesus, but they're just loving one another. And that's being Jesus to one another. It's just so special. And I am honored that I got to see the transformation. Now, when you walk into that giant dance hall, there's cartoons and ballerinas and princesses. They're all flung about together and sharing goldfish before we go down parade route. And it's just it was beautiful to see. It's amazing. And again, the things you're describing, they're not hard things, Joe. They're just simple. They're asking questions. They're seeing people and just letting them know you matter and we want to get to know you. And so it's really fun. Beth, and one of the things I love the most about my dad when he was here years ago, whenever he would go into a room, he would always look around quietly. No one would know. But then he'd find somebody in a wheelchair or he'd find some older lady who maybe didn't have anybody to talk to. And I see that attitude toward the less noticeable in Jennifer. She even began to make friends with the mechanics and bring Jesus to those who made the floats and decorated the floats. Jennifer, I'm just curious, sitting here today, thinking about the role she played. I'm just wondering, what would Mary Poppins say on a beautiful day in Disney with birds flying from tree to tree? What would Mary Poppins say to a little girl who walked up to her and asked her a question? This is something only a dad is going to make someone do a accent. It's so rusty and it wasn't good to begin with. <laughs> but she might say, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. <laughs> Amazing. All day long. I love it. <laughs> Well, Jennifer, as we're getting close to wrapping up here, you know, give us one little, you know, encouragement today. How can somebody start to apply the thought of just being love, whether it's, you know, a student at school, somebody in the workplace, in your family, at home, where do they start to be love? Oh, Bethann, this, I know I've said that you've had a lot of good questions and you have, but this is my favorite question because we overcomplicate it. I've noticed as believers, I overcomplicate it still. I would say you just go and learn about people. You learn when their birthday is and you bring them donuts. You learn what they like and you print off pictures of that and find funny things. Oh my gosh, always have balloons in your car. You never know when you're going to need to blow them up and fill a cubicle with balloons. The amount, okay, listen, this is a true story. Magic Kingdom used to have this balloon room with helium and it was open to anyone because we'd always celebrate like work anniversaries or birthdays. I fully believe that I single-handedly shut the balloon room down because <laughs> every day there was something to celebrate. Like it was someone's first parade or someone's last parade or someone's mom was in the park or something. And I think I shut the thing down because I used it so much. I just think always have balloons ready. Don't overcomplicate it. If you want to go to the next step and start a Bible study, don't worry if you have all the answers. It's so simple to say, hey, I don't know that, but I'll find out. Like, I don't know if you can tell from me talking, but I do not know how to debate theology or basically anything that smart people talk about. But you just say, I don't know, and I'll find it out. Like, you just 
love people where they are, get excited about what they are excited about, and definitely use balloons. Jennifer and Beth Ann, in the book of Hebrews, in Scripture, in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, and I love the Bible as a love letter. It's instructions, it's commandments, it's encouragement, but it's also a love letter. It says so appropriately, Jennifer, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jennifer, there were three doctors in Denver, three marriage doctors who evaluated the marriage encounters that they had professionally been assigned to for 15 years. And they discovered in their documentation of what they learned in marriages, for example, that the, the couple that encouraged each other five times more than every one time they asked the other for something or perhaps tried to correct <laughs> heaven forbid, the other five to one, five times more encouragement than request. They had a 94% chance of having a happy marriage. That is amazing. When some 40 to 50% of marriages end up in divorce, 94% of those that encouraged each other had a happy marriage. Jennifer, what makes words of encouragement little love notes, little love texts throughout the day, little phone calls of encouragement and deeds of encouragement so effective in bringing the influence of Christ into the culture anyone finds him or herself in at work, at home, or at school. I love encouragement. I think it's something that puts us all on an even playing field. We all desire to be encouraged and built up. And I think just from seeing what happened at Disney, when people are encouraged, they feel seen and they feel known. When people are celebrated, they feel seen and they feel known, which is like this deep gaping hole in us as a society. Simple things, I would make chain links when someone had a last day so they could celebrate their last shows. They could tear one off for every show and celebrate I think as humans, it doesn't matter what language you speak, what religious background you come from, what lifestyle you are living. Everyone speaks the language of encouragement and wanting to be loved and wanting to be seen and wanting to be valued. So when you leave a note on that coworker's desk, when you leave a balloon tied to your friend's locker at school, it helps them feel seen. It helps them feel known. And it brings joy in every, all joy in this world is from Jesus. And so by doing these little things and seeing people and valuing them and loving them and encouraging them without even saying Jesus's name, you're being Jesus, you're being love in these places, planting seeds that hopefully will grow into eternity with him. We're just here to plant the seeds and do the work and blow up the balloons. Bethan, when you went to Jennifer Brady's church, you would see all these little 
brown eyed, big brown eyes and big blue eyes and, you know, girls. And you could tell that they played certain roles. You'd see the big, strong looking Gaston type yeah. guys and you'd see little cute little five foot two Chip and Dale and the little furry critters. But what you saw as a result of all the encouragement that Jennifer brought to the park, you saw countless people coming to Jesus and getting into a relationship with Christ. And then, as Jennifer said, going on to spread their relationship with Christ throughout the park. What happened in that park for those 11 years was real. So fun. Well, Jennifer, we want to thank you. It's been so fun to get to speak with you today and hear your stories and to be encouraged and challenged to to be love to those around us. And we believe that God has you, listener, wherever you're at, He has you right where you're planted to be loved, to be an influence for Him. And so we encourage you today to go and be loved to those around you so they may know Jesus too. With that, we'd love to pray for you. Dear God, thank you so much that you are the ultimate example of of love, um, that you sent Jesus for us to redeem us, and you have loved us with your tender care. And God, we pray and ask that you would help all of us as believers to use the places of influence that you've given us to make a difference for you, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be Jesus with skin on to those around us, all for your glory and to build your kingdom. So God, we ask for your help as we go and want to live that way today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Oh, 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 oh,